So I had, James, I must say, I had like the best day last Thursday. Last Thursday. So 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 here's what happened on Thursday. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. We took my daughter out for an early birthday dinner, and and she's into sushi now, which my my son and my and my wife are not. So the two of them got like tempura or something. And Sadie and I shared a sushi boat. Nice. Which was, I'll send you pictures, this gorgeous sushi boat. Then my son finally makes his decision on where he's going to college. So so those two things happen. And then to cap it all off, my go-to brewery, which we all know is Reverie, put out a an Instagram post that they are cre- that they love seeing everyone's children and dogs, but you can't leave them unattended. And they're creating a twenty-one and over section, nice on the patio. And I was just like, those other two things were kind of nice life events and whatnot. But oh my god, a twenty-one and over section on the patio at my brewery—it's like someone's finally listening to the way I scream into my pillow. That is awesome. It was like, could there be a better day? Good for you. Boom, boom, boom. I think they should do like they uh, patrons with toddlers and and pets and strollers and wagons that come to breweries. They should force them into tiny little glass and closed closed cubicles Mm -hmm. like they do for like smoking people at like airports where you you can barely see the people on the inside. There's like 50 of them standing in this little cube and everybody else is outside, you know, being reasonable and they can scream their heads off inside this little glass and close case that would be you know the the winery here in town we do have a winery and we've been there just the one time because i'm not a wine person and neither is my wife but we both really enjoyed it which i guess goes to show that maybe we're not wine people because we keep borrowing buying eight dollar bottles of wine mm-hmm. uh, but they had and they put these out in during covid these little like pods outside where you could you, you have your select group and you're in there and it's all kind of in a little bubble brilliant brilliant i bet the kids just bounce right off of them they're perfect (laughs) well i think this is a good segue into uh the classic that we're going to talk about today oh yes that's true that's true what what do you want your business to look like right exactly this is part of their business plan Mm -hmm. so is it a good idea it could have been part of their business plan from the get-go if they knew if they knew or understood exactly what it was that they're clientele we're looking for or if they understood did enough market research right now like you said referees coming at this as a as a as a solution to an issue that they've experienced yes but this is one of those things where it's like well did you as part of your business plan did you do any due diligence talk to any other breweries brewers and ask them what their aha moments were right apparently children were drawing on the stage ah un unattended correct unattended i love those those signs i see it's like you know parents unattended children will be eaten exactly or sold <laughs> yeah yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, or given given alcohol that's my given favorite. Yep. yeah given ca- sugar and caffeine and sent home mm-hmm. yeah uh, i think they got to the point and, and granted a lot of the business there are it's people with kids so if they were to say no and both of the owners have children under the age of four so they're not going to suddenly say, no children here. But the fact that they're creating a separate little section for those of us that really don't want to get, I, I only wish they'd said no dogs there either. <laughs> we had it again today. I was there and there were two dogs kind of facing off and growling at each other. And, and the owners were like, oh, come on, make up. You guys will like each other. And I'm going, could you, it's 10 feet away from me. I don't know. Please go away. <laughs> I am a grumpy old man. <laughs> Indeed. I want to be in a brewery with other grumpy old men. Indeed. Anyway, to your point, business plan. There probably yep. this probably was not in the their business plan probably started with family friendly. But now reality has caused them to make um they're still family friendly, but they're creating a little bubble for those of us that are grumpy old men. Yep. And how, you know, in this case it's like, well, they, they're learning this by going through it and realizing that there's an issue. So it's either through complaints that other people have had or, or whatnot. But, you know, it could have been it could have been implemented from the get go if enough due diligence was done. And that's something that was discovered. But but in general, this concept of starting a business without a business plan, just winging it and seeing where it goes. How many times have we heard of hop growers saying, well, you know, we're just going to start this thing and see where it goes. Mm hmm. 
well, I can tell you where it's going to go right in the toilet. Right. Uh, because you don't have a plan. And how, how can you say we're going to see how it goes if you have no roadmap to know where you should be going in the first place? Oh, sure. Unless you're ridiculously adept at pivoting. Right. And th there's only so many times that that works in the right direction. And you end up paying 10 times more for everything because you, you've done no, no fact-finding beforehand, right? You haven't weeded out certain paths because of just the, the, the homework that you've done. So you have to go through it in real time, and that usually means money. And as we all know, as much <laughs> to, despite what you've been told, hop farming is not money printing. Uh, right. So <laughs> it is, it's like more of like a money blender. <laughs> Would you like in your smoothie? Up. Everything in my bank account, please. <laughs> exactly. Ow. My IRA? Wow. No problem. Oh, God. Yeah, we talked for so many weeks about all these other things and said, well, you know, you'd catch that in your business plan. We'll get to business plans later. Mm -hmm. We said it so many times and finally it was like, you know what, let's actually go through the step-by-step. -step. So this is a nice step-by-step -step of business plans. Yeah. And, and to me, the biggest part of it, it comes back to, you know, high school 101. Why do you take notes? Because writing things down coalesces your thoughts and makes you understand what you might be missing. It causes you to ask questions of yourself. You can listen and try to absorb, but when you put things on paper, it really makes you think. And it makes for a good laugh too. It, three <laughs> years later, when you go back to review it and you're like, Oh God, who wrote this thing? <laughs> Good morning, James. Good morning, Greg. What have you been up to? Oh, you know, trying to be a good boy. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Trying. Try, trying is the, is the operative word there. You know, I give it a good shot, but I only sort of have to. Yeah, don't, don't try that hard when we're recording. I don't think anyone wants you to be a good boy for these. That, that would, I think, lower our return listeners if you tried to behave yourself. Yeah. As Bart Simpson says... Lisa, I can't promise to try, but I'll try to try. Wow, that moves around in a few circles. I have to think that one through just a bit. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? Oh, today we're going to talk about business plans. Oh, boy. People keep asking us. We keep on alluding to the fact that business plans are important, but we don't actually talk about what they are. So This is, this is true. Th this is good stuff. We will talk about business plans after housekeeping. 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 So first housekeeping left a lot of stuff behind in our room this past week a whole bunch of new patreon sponsors awesome so the patreon thing is working we appreciate all of your support i'm going to rattle off some names um, this is this is what you get back for contributing uh, <laughs> we've got brett garms chris mailer i'm sure i'm mispronouncing some names here josh mayick mark helm and victor schaefer thank you all so much for helping to keep the podcast going awesome uh, much appreciated. If you uh, don't know what we're talking about, go to patreon.com slash hopnology, and you can contribute a bit to help us defray costs of um, putting this podcast out there. I also post right after we record our episodes. I, I make fun of James. I kind of give you some background on, on what's been going on as we've been recording. And what's nice is that we're starting to get responses from our patrons on those so we have a kind of a little closed community there so if you want to be part of it you know <laughs> no fomo here uh -huh. you don't want to miss out on these things why don't you join up and see what all the fun is about please um, along those same lines i want to mention you can get a hold of us uh, if you have questions in a variety of ways you can always post directly on our website at hopnology.com you can send us an email at greg at hopnology.com or james at hopnology.com. Um, if you send it to Captain Bringdown at hopnology.com, I don't think anything goes there. No, he's I, a grumpy bastard. He won't yeah, answer don't anyway. Want to, don't want to do that. That's um, that, that's your, your special email for when you sign up for things. Mm -hmm. Where else can you send? You can hit us on Instagram. I got a note from someone on Instagram this morning. So please hit us up in, in all of those ways if you're looking to get a hold of us directly we are, are happy to engage in conversation and whatnot so i think that's the housekeeping for today okay so let's jump into business plans Alrighty. so why 
why business plan? Uh, have you not been listening to our last few episodes? <laughs> <laughs> How about the seven ways to drive your hot business into the ground? How about uh, that one? Uh-huh. Yeah. Plan. How many times have we said it? No plan survives implementation. Failure to plan is planning to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so important to, to have a path out in front of you. You wouldn't, well... I'm going to say this and then immediately retract it. You wouldn't run out into the woods without a map and a compass and or, and or a GPS. I mean, some people would, but you're morons. Have a path. Knowing full well that path is going to change. But if you have a path, you can reflect back on it and look back at what your plan was and understand where things have turned and continue to plan for the next step. I'm one of those people that has to has to be organized and it may not be physically organized because if you look around at like my desk you'd be like well james you're full of shit um but at least organized from a a mental sense and be able to see in my head the path forward and so for me the business plan provided a sense of organization of all of these various things topics inputs that we've been talking about whether they're strategic market uh, financial, physical operations kind of stuff. We talk about all these variables and they're floating around all over the place. And you're like, how in the hell am I going to keep track of all these things? That's what your business plan is for. It mm-hmm. provides that structure and that organization. It, it, it does. It just, it puts it all into one place. But if, if, you, if someone asks you what your business is about and you are trying to explain it and you meander, it means you don't have a concrete business plan. Mm-hmm. You need to, it helps you to coalesce your thoughts. Right. Another very important thing is that when you write things down like this, you can practically uncover things that are an issue before they become an issue. Things you never thought about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as they're sort of, oh, yeah, hey, you know, you write down these four things and then it sort of it puts you on the right mental path and you uncover these things uh, virtually before they bite you in the ass. If you ever find yourself saying, oh, yeah, that could be an issue, but we'll, we'll worry about it when we get there, just, just stop. Just right. Bad. Yeah, yeah, that whole, we'll cross that bridge when we, when we get to it. Mm, no, sorry, not, not at this stage anyway. No, no. In addition to keeping you organized, and, you know, I mentioned showing it to, you know, if you're having trouble explaining what you're doing to other people, and that, that's a common thing I've found is when folks try to tell us what they want to do, they're kind of all over the place. But if you're trying to convince a financial provider or maybe a, a business partner to join you, if you're not organized, if, you're, if you think you're going to meet over a beer and have a chat and it's all going to sound great and they're going to jump right in with their time and their money, no. I mean, you mm-hmm. having it on paper just makes such a difference in terms of convincing others that you know what you're doing. Yeah, I can't stress that one enough because, well, even with if you're going to apply for grant money, or some sort of funding, many cases, they require you to share your business plan with them if you're a private institution. And they will judge your ability to, you know, use those funds that you're asking for appropriately based on how well fleshed out your business plan is. And the same thing goes with your lender. I mean, I can't stress that one enough because we, uh, when we went to get our first operating line of credit, which was fairly substantial, and that was our first loan that we got, the lenders and they were farm lenders they will still want to see a business plan and i said yep i absolutely here it is and they looked at it and they were pretty impressed uh but i just i was talking to them later and i said how how does our business plan stack up to like other farmers business plans because if even if you're a corn and bean farmer and you want a loan from them you still have to get a show them your business plan and you know i was all cocky imagine that and uh (laughs) was yeah was and (laughs) you know the banker's like oh yeah yours is pretty good but you know it's it's pretty much on par with the with the farmers that we lend to i'm like oh wow so even (laughs) even dairy farmers have business plans and at least the successful ones if there is such a thing anymore Mm -hmm. uh put that much time and effort into a business plan you as the small-scale hop grower are no different and, you know, it's interesting when you Google business plan, because I have been Googling business plan, <laughs> um, you find a gazillion, uh, which, which is a real number, mm-hmm. options online of step-by-step 
do-it-yourself free business plans. Mm-hmm. And some of them are actually quite well done where it, they ask you a question, you fill it in the box, you hit next, and it walks you through the common structure that we'll, we'll get into in a few minutes. Uh, I encourage you to go look at some of these things because it will make you ask yourself questions. And these are the things that, to your point, a, a financial institution is going to want to ask you anyway. So if, if you're being interviewed for, you know, why should we support you in this endeavor, and you've got to think about these answers, that you don't already have them in front of you, it's going to be that much harder of a conversation. Oh, absolutely. And when, when I wrote ours, you want to start at the beginning, right? So you want to start with basically your thesis statement, and you want to, you know, this is your abstract of your company. And I found that I couldn't write that till I was done with the, with the business plan, mm-hmm. because what I thought we were when we started after I got through doing all of the exercises of the plan, it was so much more clear in my mind exactly what our focus was as opposed to what I thought it was when I started. That That's such an important point and it really speaks to how iterative a document that is and that it it's constantly changing. It needs to be a living document. Um, you learn things from it and you learn things about yourself as you're putting it together in terms of what you what your real motivations are and what you're trying to do. Uh, and it might steer you away from you, what you initially planned to do as you start <laughs> looking at costs and whatnot and say, well, you know what? Maybe this shouldn't be part of our phase one business plan. Right. But, if, but if going down X path, let's say processing, is not part of our phase one, hmm, that's going to impact our products we offer, our marketing plan, how we describe ourselves as a company and our mission. It, it changes everything. So you end up circling back to the beginning until you get something that you feel good about from beginning to end. Yeah. It, you, you can't be afraid to pivot even when you're writing your business plan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the things that I've mentioned before that I'm, I'm most proud of with our time with Gorse Valley Hops was that the feedback we used to get after our workshops, we'd always get a handful of grumps who'd say, oh, man, you guys are so negative about some of these things. But we'd get three or four times that number of people coming back and saying, thank you so much for explaining early on all the ways things can go wrong. I thought I wanted to be in this business. Now I know I don't. And spending one afternoon, one day with you to learn that was so worth it. (laughs) And I felt good that we gave people the information they needed to make that very intelligent decision, you know, to pivot away from where they, what they thought was a coherent plan. Yeah, I would say the people that that were grumpy about about it were the people that denial denial. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Didn't want to believe what we were telling them because it was so contrary to this image they had built up in their head. Thus, Captain Bringdown was born. We put a lot of reality out there, but I I always used to I would get a lot of emails and sometimes phone calls thanking us for for putting on a conference that that convinced people to get out of to not enter the industry in the first place right which sounds so weird but when you think about the the money and time that those people decided to spend elsewhere because we we revealed all these pockets to them that they decided weren't weren't right for their path mm-hmm. it was great but that but a business plan can do that for you as well is my point that it can it can help illuminate things that may make you change where you're heading right so that's why you need one. Yep. Good stuff. So what is it? It's a it's a piece it's a document that you print and it's got like twenty pages and you give it to a banker. And you say, Please give me wads of cash in exchange. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then they say, We'll do that if you sign over your house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and twelve minutes and we're done. There we go. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> So, so business plans have a have a structure to them. They're not all exactly the same, but there there are I don't know six or seven high level components that you're always going to see. Yeah, and I think that's important because you're going to find lots of templates. And I'd be interested to to find to hear from our folks if they would be interested in in a template specifically for for hop growing. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe that's something you and I could put together. But but the format is not as important as these these sort of bullets that you're going to go through. Yep, very true. And, and, in, and in fact, you know, you know what I'll do? I'll throw out there, I mentioned some of the you know, the Patreon posts. 
when we're done here this morning, uh, for the Patreon listeners, I'm going to throw some links to some of the more well-known business plan templates that are out there. Some of them do ask you right up front, what type of business is this? Mm-hmm. I doubt you're going to find one that says hop farming. Right. <laughs> but you may find farming. You may find yeah, agriculture. You might. So, so the, the high-level bullets – before we get into each one in detail, you always start with an executive summary, the who, what, when, where, why, how. Right. Um, and that's because, you know, sometimes the banker really just wants to see that. Mm-hmm. But then beneath that, and really the executive summary, you sort of have to write last, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And that's... comes first. All these other sub-bullets are going to provide input to that summary. It's funny. Exec- summary is at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Think about that, right? <laughs> yep. One of the things I learned years ago about just presenting when you, when you present to an audience is you tell people what you're going to tell them, then you tell them, and then you tell them what you just told them. Mm-hmm. So you do your executive summary, you provide the details, and then you do a, a wrap-up summary at the end. And that repetition is very important. But also the, the starting with the here's what you're going to learn today shows them what to look for and it prevents a lot of unnecessary questions. Well, what about da-da-da-da? I told you we were going to get there. So shut up and listen. So executive summary. You start with the executive summary. Other high-level things that, that we'll get into, your company description and your objectives, your goals, your, your mission statement. Yeah, like who's in your company, <laughs> right? And what are their roles? So it's like, you know, when you were a kid and you had a club and it was you and your best friend were president and vice president, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's who's there. So it, it, and, and what services are and roles are they fulfilling in your company? Depending on the structure of your company, you may need to have a board of advisors. And so who are, who are your advisors? So in many cases, lenders will be looking to see, okay, you're a young company, I get it, but who's your advisor? Right. Who do you have on your team that knows what the hell they're doing from a business sense? And, and that provides comfort, a level of comfort to the lender or, or investor or anybody that's going to, you know, want to have a, a stake in what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, now, as an aside, when I was in that club as a kid, I was the librarian. Ah, of because, course. Yes. Well, I was responsible for hiding the dirty magazines in the treehouse. Ah, that's yes. what, I was the librarian's job. Right. Nice. So very, very much more interesting than what you would typically think of as a librarian. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going there. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so yes, moving on. <laughs> um, so products and services. What are you selling, and what what types of products? How are you selling them? Not only when you start, but where do you see future plans for expansion? And just don't say hops for God's sakes. I mean, <laughs> what what is what is your what form of hops are you selling? Are you, are you selling them dried, pelletized, wet, extract? What are you doing? Where is your market? You're not going to talk. You'll talk about market opportunity later, but this is important. You know, rank them. So, yeah, our primary focus is dry hops for the brewing industry. And our secondary market is bind wreaths or I don't know, or, or candles like Mark was doing, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Or maybe that's your primary. I don't know. But here's where you say this is what we're doing, what we're selling, or what services we're providing. Maybe you're also into consulting or maybe you're into selling supplies. Uh, structure them so that people will have an idea of where your primary and secondary mindsets are. Yep. And for all of these things, it's important to note there's a time component. So there's what do you plan to launch with and what do you see expanding or pivoting to in three, five, ten years. Mm-hmm. That, that can be part of this as well because sometimes what you're building for at the beginning may not be something you, you need right at the outset, but you're still planning your foundation. So it's important to think about, about the time factor. You're not going to turn the key on day one to a fully functioning company doing everything you want it to do. Right. Okay, so so another component here you mentioned this is opportunity. Is what does your market opportunity look mm-hmm, like? Mm-hmm. That's worthy of a lot of time. When we get into these in detail, we'll dive deeper into that. But what's you know, if you're going to make all these products and services, you've got to make sure someone's actually going to buy them. You need to understand just because you think it's cool and hey, everyone uses hops, mm-hmm. you need to have more than that. This is where you justify your position with mm-hmm. data. So. Marketing and sales plan is another section. How do you plan to get this stuff out there? 
if I grow it, they will come, never work for anyone ever. Nope. Ever, ever, ever. At least certainly not not even midterm. Maybe very, very short term. But uh, people are fickle, and mm-hmm. they lose interest very quickly, i.e. the crazy craft beer industry. Mm-hmm. Yep, so you need to know how you're going to get it in people's hands. Then when you've got all of that, that's all the fun stuff. Then you get into operations needs. Do you need a building? Do you need equipment? You know, yes and yes. What what kind of infrastructure has to be put in place? Because guess what? You're going to spend a whole lot of money on that before any of the other things we just talked about become a reality. In many cases, the, the operations needs take the form of a, primarily a spreadsheet mm-hmm. where you're looking at things like, and this operations needs and financial needs kind of go neck and neck because they, well, you can't have an operation without the finances so you'll usually have a spreadsheet and then you'll have a narrative around it describing you know the the high level profit and loss statements of what your projections are and then you know with profit or loss that's that's the usually the last part of this document are the financials because to your point that is an appendix full of spreadsheets mm-hmm. where what money you need to make this happen and again because a big point of this business plan is to show it to a banker and say, okay, here are all my plans, and at the end of the plan, here is my ask. Right. And it's got a lot of zeros at the end of it. Usually, yes. So that, that's a typical structure, executive summary, company description and objectives, products and services, market opportunity, sales and marketing plan, operations needs, financial needs. You'll, you'll see some form of that in all of these online business plan templates that you find. But um, let's, get, let's get a little deeper into these now that we've sort of summarized them. So, you know, executive summary. Again, you do that when you're done with everything else. But that's your elevator speech at the end of the day. And it really is stereotypical but true. It's the who, what, when, where, why, and how. You don't, that's really there to, to peak interest more than anything else. Um, you're not going to convince anyone on the strength of your executive summary. You may convince them to continue reading right. on the strength of that. So that's an important distinction. But that, um, that you really do, as we mentioned, when you're done with everything else. Once, once you've gone through all the other parts is when you have a, a fully formed picture in your head of, um, of the elevator speech, of how you would explain this business to someone who you're desperate for their approval when you have them for 20 seconds on an elevator. Mm-hmm. And that's going to seem almost impossible when you, if you're first starting out. Think about it. It's not how fast you can say it. It's not an economy of words. It's how do you impress upon them how you are different and why you have a competitive advantage? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, that's, that's not so easy to do when you're first starting out. It's not. My executive summary, I'm going to grow hops mm-hmm. on my farm. Because beer is cool. Dro- yeah. Dro- drop the mic. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Try again. All right, so the first big section, company description and objectives. And, you know, we, we were joking a bit about, about roles, but so important, so important to understand who is um, who you need to make this thing work. And we've talked over and over about labor costs and how, well, I don't have time to go sell because I'm too busy in the field and I can't get to the field today because I had this piece of equipment break that I got to fix and... Uh, it's so important to understand structurally what you'll need to get this com- to get this company to work. And if you're if I'm an investor and you're coming to me asking for money, and I said, let me look at your business plan. I'm gonna yeah, I'll read your executive summary. I'm looking at your company description and objectives. Like I said earlier, I'm looking to see who's on the team, and I'm looking to see if they're justified being there. Mm. Why are they there? Right. Just because it's your sister-in-law or your cousin or whomever, I don't care. What is their background? Do they have the skills to pay the bills? Because your executive summary said you're going to do X, Y, and Z. All right. Show me you got people in place that can deliver that. Thank you for saying the skills to pay the bills because I'm already working on the limerick for next week and and I'm going to need those (laughs) rhymes. You've no idea how difficult the rhyming part of this is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, skills to pay the bills, but that's Mm -hmm. true. Um, And it's not necessarily people that are going to be physically doing the work every day, but it's people who are going to be involved in helping guide you through the 
actual business part. They may be a business mentor from the Small Business Administration. They may be a, a local farmer or a member of the co-op board that has some insight into agribusiness. They could be, you know, somebody technical that's there as a technical support for you that isn't on the farm day to day. It's these people that make up your, quote, board that I'm looking for. Because I want to see that you're just not some Yahoo that's Googling the hell out of everything and thinking that you are going to, you know, hang the moon with it. It's just not going to happen. Yep. And, you know, along the same ones, this is a business document, but the why. We've talked before about the why are you doing this? What floats your boat? Why are you getting into this? Mm -hmm. And if your why is being answered with a dollar sign about the market or because beer is cool then you're just like 98% of the other business plans going in front of this banker. Mm-hmm. If your why has some, has some innovation and or some passion around it, I think that makes a big difference. I think for us, when I was revising our plan, because this is a plan that constantly needs revision, as you pivot, one of the big why was because we saw a gap in the marketplace, a knowledge gap, a, a technical expertise gap that we could fill and in filling it we saw a financial opportunity and the ability to advance the industry that was our why and we i mean to your point before you you've done good business plans done good and we never really had a problem with financing as a result Mm -hmm. it was because the the bankers who see these things as again i'll use the zillion a zillion times a day they know the difference between a, a, I'm just filling this in because I have to, and a, okay, this is, I have a real plan in front of me. Correct. So description and objectives. We good on that? Should we? Yeah, no, I think that's good. Show me yeah. who's on your team and why, and, uh, and we can move on. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll keep reading at that point. Yep. So after you've talked about that, it's, okay, what are you going to be selling? What are the products and services? And and I mentioned before, this has to be time-based because very rarely do you go out the gate with, you know, all 87 products and services that you will, all, you will be selling. Mm-hmm. There needs to be ramp. So what is it? And, and as you said before, don't say hops. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now well, we're not. It's it's a, it's it's a one word section. Hops. Mm-hmm. That's it. Now it doesn't mean that you have to say we're going to have three thousand pounds of Cascade, two thousand pounds pelletized, and one thousand pounds that are going to be uh, dried but kept whole cone. We that's not necessary here. No, no. <laughs> but pelletized versus other. To James's point before, you know whether it's um, again with Mark whether it's candles or soaps, or if you're selling hop shoots, or other ways of using your product, or plants, uh, you know, those are all components that will then feed your finances later. And they also will feed your market opportunity analysis, because they all have different marketplace opportunities to take into account. Yeah, I would be, so as I'm reading now down through your, you've, you've got me through your executive summary and your company description, I'm looking at your products and services, and I'm saying, okay, tell me what it is you're focusing on. This is where you tell me what your focus is and what it, what am I looking for? I'm looking for a clear idea of what it is you're going to do. Not, yeah, well, we're just going to sell hops to, to craft brewers. No, you're going to sell dried whole leaf, whole cone hops to craft brewers. Where? Are you a global company? Are you a regional company? Are you selling to homebrew shops? What are you doing? Now, we're going to get into market opportunity and, and marketing and sales plan, but this is where this section prefaces all of what's to come. So we're going to be looking at these spreadsheets, your, your marketing and sales plan, through the lens of what you tell us in this section. So show me, if you tell me you're going to be selling, selling core twine and irrigation you know supplies i expect to see that in your market analysis and your operations and your financial needs later yep it all feeds the order of these is important to your point because it all sort of feeds what happens next Mm -hmm. 
And it is, again, why this becomes so iterative, which I, I say with a little bit of, ugh, because just when you think you're done, you go, ooh, we changed something in the operational needs. Oh, got to read through the beginning again and make sure it all works. Well, and when we would go to, to you know, let's say go for another loan, let's say this time we're going for a, a mortgage loan. So when we bought a bunch of property, it's like, well, the last time I updated this business plan was three years ago. And you look back at it, and you just cringe. You're like, oh, God, really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> What the hell was I thinking? Uh, mm-hmm. So then you have to go and update it, and that's it's a living document. So keep that in mind. All right. So so market opportunity. Then we we now know who you are, the bench strength you've got on your team, what you're going to be selling. So let's talk about who's going to be buying it. Yeah, justify it to me. So now this is all about justification at this point. You may have the best idea in the world, but if you're the only one that thinks it's worth paying for, then it's going to be a lonely road. Right. It, it very much so. And if you're doing something like, you know, if, if you're going into basic, I'll say basic hop production, which is, yes, we're, we're processing and pelletizing and we're going to sell to, to brewers and we'll have small packaging that we'll sell to homebrew shops. Okay, great. If there are farms everywhere within a 10-mile radius of you doing the same thing, do you really have an opportunity? Right. If you're alone in the area, even so, still, do you own, do you even have an opportunity? You still need to research where the folks are getting their product today if there's a compelling reason for them to switch to you. So one of the great tools that's out there for something like this is what's called a SWOT analysis. S-W-O-T. S-W-O-T. So it stands for Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. And you'll find this all over the, the interwebs if you just type into that little Google. But at a very high level, what, this, what you're able to do here is it's a matrix. And you put down what your strengths are. What, what gives you an advantage? What do you have in, in your bench that's going to make this work? Mm-hmm. Weaknesses are things that you know you're lacking opportunities are really market opportunities, what's out there and available to you. And then threats are things that could come torpedo you despite your best intent. Right. And those those could be things that you have control over or things you don't. And, and that's one of the ways that the SWAT matrix is organized. Your strengths and weaknesses are things that you control. They're internal in origin. They're things that your organization can remedy. If you have a weakness and that weakness is you don't have mechanical knowledge to keep your harvester working all the time well that's that's you that's on you to fix Mm -hmm. your opportunities and threats are external if a threat is that there's another upstart harp farm down the road and they're just good (laughs) well that's an external threat and by the same token strengths and opportunities are, are good things weaknesses and threats obviously are bad things but by knowing what's internal and external and bucketing them as such to really help you frame where you need to make changes and at the outset here with the business plan really where you need to plan ahead for those you know turn those weak take those weaknesses and eliminate them by internally making changes bolster your opportunities and look at those threats and figure out how you can mitigate them as best as you can. You'll never be, you know, short of corporate espionage, you'll never be able to get rid of the threats entirely. <laughs> but if you can leverage your strengths to overcome those threats and minimize your weaknesses to overcome those, to not let those threats become a significant problem, you can um, at least have your eye on things. So highly recommend Googling SWAT. Yeah, uh, let me give you an example. So when we were... Again, putting this together, we said, okay, our strengths are our technical knowledge, right? We are very good at that. We understand the science and the engineering. One of our weaknesses was the fact that, well, none of us had ever run a business before, but we mitigate some of those weaknesses by having certain folks on our board, just like we talked about earlier. Another weakness that we had was our size. We were tiny, and being one of the first ones into the non-traditional hop industry, we were competing against multi-generational monsters in the Pacific Northwest and in Europe. And that was a weakness that we couldn't easily overcome using a standard process like they were using. So we also, one of our weaknesses was, you know, capital. We didn't have the funds to invest in this giant operation to compete at our competitors' levels. So we had to turn our weakness into a strength. So how did we do that? So we looked at 
opportunities in the marketplace to do things differently and was there a reason to do things differently and so that's where our low temperature drying came in mm -hmm. we said yes we know this is absolutely is an opportunity for us and so what if it takes us three times longer to dry we don't have those same constraints they do so we took our small size from a weakness and turned it into a strength and we marketed that as we that became an opportunity in the sense that local was something we could hang our hat on being local, I'm not sure I would categorize as a as a strength, but it, it became an opportunity for us because people bought, buy into that and people want to be part of that to some degree. Right. Th that was probably the the major thing we could use sort of to mitigate the threat of the Pacific Northwest was that, but hey, we're here. And there were certain logistical advantages to that, like, hey, these guys are right down the road. I don't need to ship this stuff from the from Oregon or Washington or Germany. I can now afford to be a little bit more lax in my inventory because I know I can just run down the road and get some. We use that to our advantage. You know, there's SWAT and there's just sizing, knowing that your opportunity is there. If no one's thought of your idea before, it's either you're either going to revolutionize things or there's a reason no one's thought of it before. <laughs> right. Well, they may have thought of it, but they haven't tried to execute it. Because, I'm trying to execute it. Okay. Yeah, because they've discovered in, during this phase <laughs> mm -hmm. that, ooh, yeah, you know what? Mm, nah, not worth it, it. Too good to be true has, has background to it. Yes, it does. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. True. Nothing's ever that easy. Nope. All right. Uh, marketing and sales plan. So, uh, and again, these things are sequential for a reason. Until you know what your opportunities are, you really can't have a coherent marketing idea of how you're going to get out there and convince folks to come by. So, so up until all this point, as, as James, you've, you've been doing nicely is, you know, as the banker, I've read through this, I've read through this. Well, now I've read through all the things that you have identified and you're going to do. Now tell me how, why a customer would pop in and be willing to spend money with you. The plan, the sales and marketing plan tells me how you are going to execute on the opportunity analysis that you've done, focused on your products and services that you're going to provide using the people that are on your bench that you've described in your description and objectives. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the how now, how are you gonna execute this? So show me. So that marketing plan, what is it going to be? Are you going to go around to a bunch of homebrew shops and say, buy my hops? Maybe at the very beginning, and that's okay. And as Greg, as you mentioned, you stage this. So in the beginning, this is what we're going to do. And then as we gain speed and gain income and revenue and we're more comfortable, we have more resources, then we're going to do this, right? This is who we're going to market to. These are the channels we're going to use. And here's our sales plan. This is how we're going to execute those sales, how we're going to do the follow-up, and ultimately what the high-level revenue expectation is going to be. Yep. And I know a guy is not the answer no. for um, how you're going to sell. No, it's, <laughs> it's for, it's for a different – that's a different question. Um, different question. Okay. Anyway – <laughs> that gets back to eliminating threats it does yeah. it does yeah yep so marketing and sales i one of the thing i'll say about that is that it it sometimes is i don't know it bothers me uh, because I, i'm somewhat involved in this industry and other things in, in marketing it, it bothers me that when you look at a typical breweries website you'll see the the team and very often the marketing person for the team is someone's brother sister husband wife it, it marketing is a skill it is <laughs> especially in this day and age with social media and um, as you hear me babylon incessantly at the start of every episode about instagram about patreon we're trying to to find our way through this new this new world where you're fighting for people's attention Mm -hmm. And you're fighting for their screen space. It is not something that you can just, oh, yeah, you know, and marketing will get some signs out there. We'll send some email blasts. Make sure that when you're building your bench in that company the description part that we talked about at the beginning, make sure you take marketing and sales seriously. Because having a, a cooler full of hops that you cannot sell to anyone because you just haven't had the time or the skill set to go do it is um is not an effective business no i would agree and that was our single biggest weakness mm -hmm. 
the marketing kind of took care of itself in that we were we were the technical people as our old t-shirt said you know we science the shit out of beer we did and we do still but having someone with the expertise to know how to put together an effective sales campaign and do all the brewer touches and get in front of people and have that face-to-face consistently is extremely critical and because i was also the operations guy and the farmer and this and that i just didn't have the time nor did i have the correct temperament and inclination for it i just i i don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm i'm certainly more comfortable in the in the technical role so don't take it for take it for granted so the next piece is operations Mm -hmm. and um, you know we we've had a couple of of conversations along these lines when we've talked about our ideal hop yard and we've talked in particular when we talked about prepping prior to harvest you're just making sure that your farm is harvest ready and that's no you know what do you need to have available from an equipment perspective some of that operational need isn't physical equipment so much as it is temporary labor that you know you need to ramp up on so what are the what are the what's the basic blocking and tackling that you're going to need to do for on a 12-month perspective to operate this business that you're putting together that sounds very daunting (laughs) And it is. Well, and you start, and the way I did that is I just, I had a spreadsheet and I just started filling in cells with stuff that I thought I would need. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all I did. I didn't try and worry about how much it was going to cost or anything. It's just in my head, what is it I'm going to need, regardless of whether I could afford it or not. And I have to imagine you put that spreadsheet together, you walked away from it, 10 minutes later you went, ooh, Forgot yep. about this. Oh, yeah. Went and wrote it down. You wake up at three in the morning. Oh, forgot about this. <laughs> yep, exactly. And you just, you don't want to forget anything that's going to have a significant financial uh, impact mm-hmm. to your projections. And so I, you know, I was thinking big. Uh, and then as you lay that out, you're like, okay, but what do I, that's everything I would, would need, but what do I need right now? And then what will I need in three years, in five years? And so you start doing your projections out so that the the lender, me, I'm looking at your operations and then your financial needs. I think these two need to go together so that we can project what is your mid-range because I'm not lending you money and expecting that you're going to pay me back this year. I want to see what kind of revenue you think you're going to be making in year five so that I'm comfortable knowing that your 60-month loan for your new tractor is actually going to get paid off. Yep. It, it, there has to be a time basis to this. Mm-hmm. So so important to to think long term. Yep. And then the last piece is financial, and that's you know in terms of putting together a P and L structure and a balance sheet. That's that's probably a whole other conversation. Yeah, it is that level of depth. But it's um by the time you've gotten to that point in your conversation with the banker, that they either believe you know what you're doing or they don't. Mm-hmm. And they're going to find holes in your finances because no one, especially a first-time small business owner, gets it all right out of the gate. But this piece of it of understanding the money, because the last thing you want to do is ask for too little Mm -hmm. and get in trouble. But you also want to come in there with a reasonable, a realistic ask of what's actually necessary. It's a tricky, tricky thing. Yeah, and the the lender that you're going to be talking to, whether it's an investor or a banker, this is not their first dance, right? So they're going to know... When I went in to ask for our first operating line of credit, I went in and asked for, I think, $35,000. And the banker's like, we'll give you one fifty, <laughs> Because he, he knew. he knew. He's like, he looked at our business plan, and he's like, all right, I get it. Um, they loaned us money for our, for our uh, first wolf harvester. And, you know, we made all of our payments, and they actually came out and visited the farm. And we had a really good rapport with them because they were farm lenders. And this was a new industry for them, and uh, we seemed like a reasonable group of, of people. But uh, he just said, "Yeah, I think thirty-five thousand will cover it." He just looked at me and said, "We're going to go with one fifty. <laughs> <laughs> and thank God we did because I needed uh-huh. it. I needed it, and that was you know an operating line of credit that allowed us to use it like a checkbook, right? When times were lean, while we had, you know. Just because you don't have hops to sell right now doesn't mean you don't have all the costs in running your farm. Of course. So and, you, and you need money to do that. We, we will have an episode in the, in the somewhat near future all about operating lines of credit and borrowing money and mm-hmm. why there, there is so much available there to you 
and how to do it smartly because that I think a lot of folks starting out don't realize the the ways you can do that and how critical it is to make sure that that you know operating capital can kill you early. Absolutely. And and people think that they're minimizing their risk by not borrowing money. Number 1, you're wrong. Number 2, how confident are you in your business? Because if you're telling me, well, this is going to work and I'm going to I'm going to bank my my career, this is going to be my career, but you're not willing to sign a personal guarantee on a company bank loan. How confident are you in your business? And, and by the same token, if you lay out all of your own savings to do this and, and you run into trouble, instead of borrowing money where you have a payback period, you have options if things go sideways, you're, you're actually protecting yourself by right. borrowing money. And, uh, and that, that's a larger conversation. It is, yeah. One thing I, that occurs to me as we get through all this, I'm, I'm, I'm going through the, um, the devil's advocate in my head, is that, so I'm, a, I'm getting started. I'm listening to the Hopnology podcast, and I'm listening to this kind of half-heartedly going, yeah, but you know what? A lot of this is about getting approval and borrowing money, and we're internally funded. We have what we need. We don't need this. I just want to bring you back. We've been talking about the banker a lot. I mm-hmm. want to bring you back to the beginning, which is that this is your path. It's your roadmap. Even if if you are internally funded, you still need to have this in order to make sure you keep yourself honest right. with what you're, you're planning to do. And I would also still encourage anyone who has the internal funds to have to go through this process and have a banker look at it anyway because they are going to, especially if it's your first rodeo, they're going to point things out that you missed. And it's, it adds legitimacy. really does. You know, it's the number of people. I said it a few episodes back. They want to come up and ask, start asking me questions about they want to do this, that, or the other thing with their hot business. And I was going to say, show me your business plan. Because that tells me you thought really hard about your path forward. This, this is the devil and angel on your shoulder to some degree. Am I the As devil? I'm the devil, oh, right? Well, yeah, you're always the devil. Okay, always good. the devil. Yeah. Um, That's what my girlfriend's this, mom said. I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> but that should be the but that, but it should be the bumper. That's the bumper. Uh, yeah, it's the bumper. Uh, <laughs> what the hell was I saying? This is the devil and angel on your shoulder in the sense that when you start to go sideways a little bit, reflect back on this and listen to it. Because this document, because of all the time and effort and iteration you've put into it is the rational you whereas the in the moment decision making may be the irrational you Mm. getting very very foo-foo here (laughs) but you want to make sure you have this as your sanity check does that make any sense good enough for now so shut up and listen